Welcome to the Authentic Conviction Podcast, where we believe understanding your own value will help you build stronger and longer-lasting relationships. We uh, have a treat today. I'm here with somebody whose uh, business acumen uh, almost exceeds the beauty of his hair. Um, so uh, we've got Mr. PJ Malloy. Um, he represents Zinc Food Services. Zinc Food Service Group. Right. Okay, the Zinc Food Service Group. And uh, PJ and I have actually been uh, good friends. We met at church through a mutual friend. And uh, that mutual friend knew right away that once we got together, there, there would be no turning back. So That's right. um, our families have become close. Um, we have that rare miracle where uh, not only do we get along very well and have become very close friends, but our wives actually do, which it is makes easy. It easy. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty nice. So, you know, as, uh, as our listeners know, you know, our, our whole movement is focused on how do we create an authentic conviction for ourselves and anecdotally and otherwise sharing those stories with other professionals that might grab some nuggets. And so today with you, uh, and PJ, I will tell you this, you know, I've got the utmost respect for, um, you, you have this rare mix of, uh, high personality, high energy, but you also, uh, you, you parlay that with this level of organization and detail that most people with our personalities don't have. And that's a rare thing. So um, you've been in ways you don't even know, you've been a mentor to me and we've actually been able to partner on some ventures that, that are really exciting that we have going on too. So Absolutely. what I want to uh, start out with, with you is, you know, again, um, for, for the people listening, we want to help them create their own conviction and their own way of saying, what makes me different? You know, when I'm reaching out to a prospect or I'm reaching out to a client, what are the life experiences and what are the traits about me that make me different in creating my conviction? So, you know, when, when you're, you know, going through your process and your, and your daily routine, what are the things that have built you and made PJ Malloy different? And what kind of conviction does that create for you when you are going through your daily routine and calling clients and working with clients? That's a great question. I mean, I think um, the primary thing that's always on my mind is how do I add value? So there's a lot of people that walk through that door. A lot of the products look the same. Uh, they, they aren't differentiated that much in some respects. So what, what is the deciding difference? And it's, it's us. Right. And it's the value that we bring to the equation. So, you know, you talked about being organized and number one, don't tell my mom you said that because uh, growing up, my room was certainly not organized. If you could push through the door be all, behind all the clothes stacked behind it. Like uh, our kids now, right? That, like our kids yeah. now. Don't tell them that either. Yeah. Right? My room is perfect <laughs> yeah, as far as they're right. concerned. But I think, I think as you, um, you develop in business and you understand what your strengths are and it's connecting with people, building a relationship, building trust. I mean, people do business with people that they trust and they mm -hmm. want to do business with people they like. Um, you know, when, when you're with somebody and you're just not quite sure, do I like this person? Even though they can be very good at what they do, there's something missing. So I, I don't think any of it's rocket science. I think it's basic blocking and tackling, building relationships, adding value, doing what you say you're going to do, having integrity. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you talk about being organized. I think as a, as a professional, you start to develop things to make up for maybe other uh, inadequacies that you may have. Mm -hmm. So is my natural uh, talent to be super organized? Well, not growing up it wasn't, but I knew that if I wanted to scale my business, if I wanted to take on more, I had to do things differently. Mm -hmm. So when you're growing your business and you're starting out small, certain things work. But as it builds and builds and builds, you can't do, keep doing things the same way when you're tripling or quadrupling your business if you expect to provide that same level of value 
and trust and build those relationships. Something's got to change. And organization was a big part of that for me. Yeah. So, um, and even beyond, uh, you know, process and implementation of things that you knew you needed to grow your, your business, you know, I would say it, it's funny cause, uh, you know, Josh and I, and some of our other team members, we will, we always have this thing and I actually did it this past weekend and the look that I got was hilarious. But when you ask somebody and you look at them in the face and say, tell me what makes you different, what makes you great? People look like you ask them to give them one, you know, their kidney. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's crazy because we're so slow to acknowledge that, but it's always easy to talk about so If I said to you, PJ, you know, tell me some of the things that you admire about me. It would be easier for you. Sure. So for, for me talking to you, I'll, I'll take you off the hook a little bit because I will tell you just from somebody that has, that gr- has a, a great deal of admiration for who you are as a person. The, the one thing that I really love about you, well, two things, number one, you have an infectious personality. And you are brutally honest. And <laughs> I think that that's such a good combination because um, your personality attracts people. It really does. And your honesty, then it says, okay, I'm going to attract somebody, but I know I'm only attracting the right people because I want to cut through the BS, right? right? So do you think those are two of the things that have helped you in those, in those uh, I guess, that, that thinking process of how you want to build your business? Do you, do you leverage that or do you try oh, to absolutely. shy away from it? Tell me how you play into your own strengths and weaknesses. You know, I think um, when you have a big personality or a dynamic personality, you have to learn how to throttle that up and throttle that down. It's mm-hmm. not always the right case and scenario for it. So, you know, understanding your environment and your surroundings is always important. Never changing who you are as a person though. That's, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the brutal honesty to me, it's, it's about being a truth teller. And I do that in, in everything that I do. If I don't have the right product, the solution, if I'm not the person you can't have trust if you're putting people in a scenario where they possibly could fail. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, um, being very upfront and honest and, and being sometimes brutally honest when p- sometimes people don't want to hear it. Our intention is never to hurt someone's feelings or attack them personally or anything like that. And, and you know, sometimes the, the personality, people don't get it. Uh, like you said, it takes special people to, to bond like we have and our families have. Uh, but absolutely, you can't change who you are. That's, that's a part of me. Mm-hmm. And it has served me well to, to be honest with people. It's really, you know... I don't have a good enough memory to make things up and lie. Right, right. So you, you kind of forget the ground that you've covered when you do that. It's always the best policy. I, I feel like one of the things that holds people back from their true conviction and being comfortable with their conviction, um, similar to a diet or, or, you know, looking at it, how many times you see on, on, on social media where people say, you know, what you know, people need to be comfortable in their own skin, Right. And I, I agree with that. Actually, I envy the people that maybe their body doesn't look the way they want, but they've been okay with it because that's mm-hmm. who they are. And I, and I actually think that that's great. But I think that all too often in our business, people won't adhere or, or succumb to the fact that they are who they are because they're afraid of what that might mean in terms of the piece, people that that might push away. Isn't that kind of weird to think yeah. about? Like, oh, if, if I'm true to myself... I might lose 20 prospects or 20 clients. And I'm saying that should be natural selection because in five years, it's going to be a problem anyway because we're not going to get along anyway, right? right? You know, I think it, it comes back to core values, whether it's your personal core values or your core values in, in business. If you don't find clients, uh, 
people that you represent, friends that share those core values, there's a miss. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talk about this all the time in our business when we're interviewing people. We hire against core values. We measure against core values. We unfortunately have to let people go and, you know, coach against core values. And, you know, we were just going through some interviews the other day. You know, it's finding that alignment is not only good for us, it's good for them. Mm-hmm. Because you can have a couple scenarios. One, we could have somebody on the team that's a top performer and just doing everything that makes us feel good as a company. But if they go home and there's a disconnect with our company to them, they're feeling it on their side, it's not going to work. Or mm-hmm. vice versa. So I think, you know, like you said, it's being true to who you are, understanding who you are, which is a hard process. Mm-hmm. Some people don't really know who they are. Isn't that cra- I mean that that is that's going to be part of our of what we're doing is we're we're creating an authentic conviction uh, statement process. I mean literally a five a five module process where it's we talked in one of our previous podcasts about um, one of the, I think the the most underrated thing that that people uh, neglect is actually taking the time to vet out the people that they put on their list in the first place. Mm-hmm. They want to talk about oh I have them on my list I'm oh, I'm gonna check them on LinkedIn I'm gonna do how much time did you put into putting them on that list? Right. And so, you know, for what you're talking about, it's like, you know, creating a scenario where it's set up to fail. Like you said, how can you build trust when you're putting in somebody, putting somebody in position, you know, to not be successful, Right. right. To fail. So it's our job to put them in a successful place, but it's also our job to take the time to understand what our value is because Correct. it's hard for them to understand their conviction if they don't understand what their true value is. Well, when you say authentic conviction, it, think about the society we live in with um, social media, right? We're doing a podcast right now, so this is going to go out on social media. But with all these different venues, it's a highlight reel of people's lives. What's authentic about it? Right. So, you know, you're, you're constantly, when you talk about being, uh, you said, some people struggle with being honest with who they are because they feel it may push people away. There's a pretty high bar to live up to when it's a constant highlight reel. Mm-hmm. I mean, could you imagine playing sports as a kid and the whole time the, the other kid had his ESPN top 10 plays uh, before he got up to bat? Right. It's pretty tough to live up to. Yeah. So I, I think um, I think people can get lost in that a little bit. It's good that you're doing things like this and talking about these subjects because it takes time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the maturity that you've gone through in business and in life and with your personal story and your professional story. You know, these things just don't come naturally. They're, they're, they're learned. They're taught by mm-hmm. mentors and, um, and they're developed. I would say, uh, you know, what also is, is the best teacher is, is failure. You know, I, I've had, I've had conversations. I may have said this to you, you know, three or four years ago when we first started working together that, you know, I can promise you something's going to go wrong along the way. Mm-hmm. But if we can agree that we're going to have an open and honest conversation about it, instead of you seeing something you don't like on a statement or, or, or reading something on the news, you're at the water, the, my favorite, the water cooler conversation. You're doing what in your plan? You, you, you moron. Why are you doing that? Well, I better call Joe. He's stupid. Now you took advice from somebody that knows nothing about my profession. And now you're mad at me. You know, and, and, and this is funny, but this is actually, this is, I mean, in all fairness, for the record, PJ never did that. That's right. Never. But but that happens in in many professions. And instead of saying, can we just, can we agree that, that, that I at least deserve a phone call so we can talk about it because uh, change is inevitable. Failure is inevitable. Nobody walked through life perfect, except in our, in our estimation, one person, right? The whole idea of today is you know, your organization, if I said, um, you're kind of a legend, even in our office, because Uh-oh. if, if I walked to, to some of my team members and said, 
give me the first name that you think of when I say done or not done, they're going to say PJ. <laughs> and so, you know, you've really, uh, you prompted me to read the book. You know, I've kind of bought into the EOS system. And I wanted you to kind of talk about, not just in, in particular, because we're not even getting a kickback from, from Traction, by the right. way, but maybe we uh, give a shout out to, to, to the crew. But um, talk to me about, okay, you know, yeah, you have conviction, but let's start out with, explain to us what you do uh, as a representative of, of Zinc, okay? What that model looks like briefly, but then how are you implementing your style, your conviction, and how you are so steadfast and create no blurred lines in how you manage people. Yeah, it's hard. Um, so Zinc is a, a multi-line a manufacturer's rep. So we represent multiple manufacturers across the food service industry. So none of which compete. They're all complementary. And um, we are basically their branch sales office across a number of states. And we have 30-some outside salespeople and, um, and inside staff. And, um, you know, when you talk about this process of traction and EOS, it, it – it was really brought to us by uh, Jim Zink, who's one of our principals. He, he was at a conference or, or something like that and heard about it. So we all got the book and read the book. And, and it's different, right? It's, it's, it's no nonsense. It's, it's very process-oriented. And uh, it's really, it really boils down to a couple of things. We talked about core values. Mm -hmm. You know, the first whole process of this is you establish your core values. You establish the things that make you unique as a company. And then it kind of all stems from there. Mm -hmm. And then you start these layers in your company with what we call an L10 meeting, a level 10. And that's because at the end of the meeting, you rate it. And the goal is to get to a 10. So, but what I love about it, it's accountability. You can't hide People don't want to hide, as you said, done or not done. There's a, for those of you that aren't familiar with the system, you know, you, you, you have a time to check in and talk about the to-dos that were assigned last week. And is, is this done or not done? Well, you know what? I, I called the guy and wait, you have two choices here. It's done or not done. <laughs> so it, it gives this level of accountability. It's in, it's, it's in the book, they talk about this cadence and, and it's almost like the week before you go on vacation is the most efficient week of your life, right? You're making lists, you're passing stuff off to your team, and here's all the things that need to be handled. Mm -hmm. So this weekly check-in meeting that always happens on the same day, it always starts on time, it always ends on time, that creates that cadence. And you know that you're going to sit there with your peers, and there were certain things that you should get done. And you have to say in front of the group, it's done or it's not done. Mm-hmm. And is it okay? It's okay if it's not done. There may be a legitimate reason, but you can drop that down and you discuss it in the discussion portion of the meeting. So it's very quick. It's very regimented. It takes a little while to get the hang of. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we all like to talk and sometimes it's not easy just to say done or not done, especially when you've got a story behind it. Right. I, I, uh, I always share this quote with, uh, with my kids and people that I coach and stuff, but, uh, I believe it's a Winston Churchill quote, uh, never explain because your friends don't need it and your enemies won't believe you anyway. That's right. And That's you know, you're always as a professional, very, very leery of the over explainer because there's, there's probably out of a hundred percent of the words that they gave you probably 20% are factual, you know, because people that have a clear and concise answer don't need to explain anything. And I don't know how, I don't like for you with your level of, of honesty, but also, I mean, you know, I joke around about your brutal honesty, but you're also very endearing. I mean, you'd be the first person if I called you at two in the morning, I know you'd be there to help me. But, you know, do you find that, because um, I would assume that you have just as much of an emphasis placed on the people that you know can handle that style and how you're doing things 
as it is to how you set up the process to begin with, because you can't put a snowflake in that, in that scenario because they might crumble. So how do you handle that dynamic matching your conviction and your style with your team? Do you recruit to that? Yeah. So, I mean, it it all goes back to our core values, right? Mm -hmm. So we know who we are as a company. We know what we're trying to accomplish and we know that the type of people that thrive in that environment, uh, you know, everybody's a little different and sometimes you're going through that process and you can tell by the look on their face okay, now I need to pull it back and, and coach them up and bring them back. It's, it's no different than being a parent. You know, you've got kids, I've got kids. You can tell when you're having those difficult conversations with them. You can tell when they need a kick in the butt. You can tell when they need a hug. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can tell when they just need someone to listen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are we always great at that? It's a learning process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's any different with anybody that we deal with in our life. So, um, yeah, you know, we try to select the right people, Um at the end of the day, people like accountability. I think that's human nature. So even though this system sounds very regimented and I'm going to have to say in front of my team, it's done or not done, when everybody is held accountable to the same standard and the same demands are put on you as they are on me and we're held accountable in the same way, that's very comforting. We, we know what the finish line is. We know what the goal is. We know what the expectations are. And it's, you know, there's a, there's a story I read about a study, and it was um, a group of, I think, kindergartners, and they were sent out on a playground to play. And they took these 50 kindergartners, and they, they had a, a playground in the middle of this two-acre field. And I may have some of the details wrong, but that's the gist of it. And they said, go ahead out and play, kids. And they sent all 50 kids out. And all 50 kids went, and they're riding the slide and swinging on the swings, and they stayed in this playground. They took the exact same two-acre field with the playground, and they put a fence around the outside of the field, and they took 50 other kids out, and they said, go out and play. And as soon as they put the fence, the kids played all the way to the fence. They took advantage of this entire two-and-a-half-acre field. And what was that? They understood what the expectations were, Mm -hmm. where the fence, where the line was, and where Mm -hmm. they could go, what the accountabilities were, and it allowed them to spread their wings and explore. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's any different in life or in business. You know, when, when people know what the expectations are, what the accountabilities are, they thrive in that environment because they know that I, I don't have to stay on this playground. I can take advantage of this entire field. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the, that's a, that's a, I love that. I'm going to use that because what we're talking about are boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. And um, relationship-wise, you know, you always hear people talk about creating healthy boundaries for one another. And, and typically unhealthy relationships don't have boundaries, you know, whether it's a, a parental relationship or, or a marriage or whatever. Um, but I think it's important to set the boundaries, you know, and, and I've noticed in my life, whether it's my kids, you know, I remember, I'll never forget this when, when, when Tommy was a young boy and I had to, I had to jump his butt a little bit and gave him a little whipping mm-hmm. an hour later, he was so desirous of my time and attention. It was almost like, you know, that was tougher. It's tough for a parent to discipline their kids but an hour later, I had more admiration, love, and respect for my son because of it. And as we're leading people, as we're building a team, you know, it's that balance of, you know, do, do we, do, at what point do we push them? At what point do we create those boundaries without jeopardizing the relationship? So like in our world, all of my advisors are working in their own independent space, but I still take on the, the role and responsibility of leadership to help supplement their growth and, and provide them opportunities that maybe they wouldn't have independently, right? Yep. So you're in business for yourself and not by yourself. Right. So those boundaries are healthy. I mean, you know, so for you executing those, you know, through the EOS system or whatever else, um, I mean, do you find that you struggle with, with uh, relationship types and how you're setting those boundaries for your people? 
Um, you know, it's interesting. One of our core values is we care. Mm-hmm. We care about our people. We care about our community. We care about our factories. It's, it's a very simple statement. We care, but it means a lot to us. You have to start to ask, what does caring mean? for you, for your company. And you talked about, you know, when you had to discipline Tommy and that's hard, mm-hmm. right? And and sometimes caring is about making the hard decision, not the easy decision. The easy decision would say, hey, Tommy, knock that off and he keeps doing it and, you know, you're distracted and, you, you know, you ignore it and, and Tommy goes off and does whatever he does. Mm-hmm. It's hard to stop, to try to have that coaching moment to teach Tommy right from wrong and then to have to discipline him. It's the hardest thing a parent can do. It's heartbreaking, mm-hmm. right? So when we look at business and we look at that same situation, sometimes caring is making a difficult choice for that person. Mm-hmm. And we've had people in our company that I know they're not in the right seat. You know, it's another EOS, you know, right, making sure the person's in the right seat. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's not a seat in the organization for somebody. Mm-hmm. So my question is, is, is taking the easy road and not having the difficult conversation really caring? So what's the scenario? So you have an individual in your company, you know, they're not really set out to be in the company. They probably have no long-term future, but you allow them to kind of meander along and do an average job. They probably don't feel great coming into work because people are coming down on them because they're not getting done what needs to be done. And you make up new positions and you try to move them to here and move them to there. We've all, you're smiling. Maybe this has occurred Mm -hmm. uh, in your business. And because, you know, you care for this person, you like this person, but they're just not in the right seat. So you're trying to find that seat and and it just doesn't work out. So at the end of the day, you've got a person that's, you know, maybe been with you for five years. They haven't grown. They haven't advanced their career. And at the end of the day, it's the same end result. They're not going to be in your company. Mm -hmm. And you're almost as culpable by letting it go on, you know? And I, and I, it's so funny. Everybody tries to, especially guys, we come and we compartmentalize our lives, right? Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a big baseball guy. I've been a coach as long as I can remember. And the organization we run is, is some very highly talented kids. I mean, we travel the country and play and every kid on that team would play on any other team that they wanted to go play on. Um, so it's never about, are you good enough? It's sometimes about, you know, this is, are you, you might want to play shortstop and, and the kid that's there is like, like Derek Jeter or, right. you know, you, but you're, but you're our best wherever. And, and, and I've always said about our team, our baseball team, I look at every one of our kids last year, we had 13 kids and I can look at every single one of them and say, you do fill in one thing better than every other one of the 12 kids instead of an all-star team where it's like, oh, you're just stacking everybody up next to each other. No, kind of like the, the movie Miracle. We don't want the best players. We want the right ones. That's right. And so I think, you know, building that team. So um, pivoting just a little bit. So let's, just so people have an understanding, because I want to talk to you a little bit about, and we can we can kind of put a, put a bow on this and talking a little bit about prospecting and how you've built such a successful book of business. Because, you know, those of you that, that don't know PJ has, has built it, you know, by himself. He didn't have any help in the deal. Like me, you know, he, he, he self-made. And I have a lot of respect for that. So um, no handouts, no give me's. You, you did it with, with rolling up your sleeves and working hard. Um, so if you could talk a little bit about, you know, what is your process? If you can condense that down into 60 seconds, you know, what does Zinc do? How do you represent? Anecdotally, I can share how much you can pivot because you did in 2020. That's just awesome. Um, and then talk a little bit about how you're able to look at your client book this year. And there's probably a healthy number of people on your client book this year that you didn't even know 12 months ago. So how do you get to that point? So share with us a little bit about what you do, yep. what your processes are with Zinc and, and your end user and how you get to that point. 
what are your products, et cetera. And then how do you find those people that you don't even know today? Right. So, you know, you talk about kind of being self-made and, and growing it. There, there's, there's a lot of help along the way, right? So the, the one thing that we're blessed with at our company is we represent the best manufacturers in the industry. So I don't care how good your process is, what a great salesperson you are. If you have a product that's inferior that you're trying to take to market, it's pretty difficult if you can't believe in that product and, and put it out there. So that's that's the first thing. We we represent the best manufacturers in the industry. We we represent for the for the people listening here. We represent uh, food service equipment products. So uh, whether it be front of the house, where maybe it's uh, china, glassware, flatware, the actual tables, the linens, all the way back to the back of the house, which would be your walk-in coolers and your ventilation systems and fryers and ranges. And so basically anything that a commercial food service operation, whether it be in a hospital, a school, a prison, a, a quick serve, a, you know, fine dining, that's, that's who we sell to. Mm -hmm. So uh, one, we represent great manufacturers. So that's a big relief. Two, I work for a fantastic company, a highly respected company. I didn't start the company. I've been there 19 years and, you know, they, they have the best reputation in the industry. So I got two really good things going for me there. So I think with anything, you can put all the, the systems in place. You can have the great company and the great manufacturer. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to grab that and run with it, mm -hmm. right? And the, the last piece of the puzzle is we've got great customers. So in our industry, it's a two-step distribution model. So manufacturers hire us to be their sales force. We then sell to dealers and distributors who then sell to what we would call the end user. So the actual school or uh, the food service chain. So it's interesting that our clientele, it's the same people over and over and over again. And they're constantly out prospecting, trying to find new uh, restaurants to work on, new schools, whatever it may be. So we got three great things going for us. Great manufacturers, a great company to work for, great customers. Now, You've got to take those tools and do something with them, right? So it really goes back to what we said. It's, you know, at first it, it's, it's a long road. People don't trust you. They don't know, even though you've got the great products and you work for the great company, I'm, I'm buying Joe, right? Mm -hmm. So how do I trust that you're making the decisions that are best for me and my company and my client? And that's just a, a, a road to get there. So, you know, it's, it's consistency. I don't think there's a, a secret sauce to this whole thing. Some of it's just basic blocking and tackling. Mm -hmm. You know, when, when I came to this region, I started out in the Pittsburgh region and I moved down here and uh, I think 05, that was the, if I believe the fifth Super Bowl, the Steelers won. I always, you know, from Pittsburgh, Joe, come That's on. That's brave to bring that I up know, this we week. Did, I know. And, and you know, I just, so what is today? Today's uh, Thursday, uh, what is today? Wednesday. Wednesday. So we're just a couple days removed from the Cleveland Browns <laughs> kicking the Steelers' butt in the playoffs. And, and that hurt me a little bit. We'll talk about that later. And I spent the last two days in Cleveland, by the yeah, way. Okay. So, yeah. um, <laughs> so um, you know, when I first got here, it was a larger territory that I had covered before. You talk mm -hmm. about those systems and processes. And, and I, I was maybe three or four years into the company. I handled a small territory and was doing the best that I, I could. We, there's no training process. You know, it's kind of, hey, here's your factories. Here's your geography. Make it bigger. Mm -hmm. That was about the training. Right. And then, you you know, you get some product training. Quick attaboy on the back and off you go. Off you go. Yeah. And you either uh, are going to thrive and figure it out and, and fail and learn from those failures or you're going to fail and wash out. Mm -hmm. There was plenty of failures along the way. Uh, my my 19-year into the business self looking back at my two-year self into the business, 
who knows if I would have hired myself. Right. You know, if you if you can buy yourself for what you're worth and sell yourself what you think you're worth, it's a pretty good, <laughs> that's that's a a pretty good, good investment, is. right? So, And I've always said, you know, I learned from one of my mentors that, I mean, we get where we are because at some point or multiple points, people see more in us than we see in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, our wives sure as heck did. Yep. And, you know, it, it, it is one of those things where I look back and, and, you know, we've talked about, you know, writing this book and going through this authentic conviction movement. It like brings up some stuff down from the seller because guys, we like to jam that crap down deep, not deal with it. Right. Right. And now I'm bringing it all back to the surface and looking back over times that I would actually say were, were pretty stressful and painful for me because coming into, to my business and running a firm as a 30 year old, there were, there was a two gentlemen in in the office that I took over this firm 12 years ago that had more years experience than I had years as a human. (laughs) So you know, you, you, you at some point have got to believe in yourself, but when you look back, it's crazy. And I, here's the crazy thing. I'll bet you, we look back 10 years from today and say, wow, you, I didn't know anything then. Right. Like it doesn't stop. You know, we're going to continue down that path of, of progression. Growing. Um, and so I think that that's tremendous. And we put some stuff on LinkedIn and, and a lot of the feedback that I get, and it can be divisive with, with what I'm talking about because they say, oh, well, Joe, your stuff is, is really good assuming that you've got a good natural market, but what, what happens when you run through that market? And I, and I always answer, well, well, hold on a second. Okay. So you're telling me you had a good natural market, which means you did a good job of building relationships and networking and doing all the things that matter that may take a little time. It's not a microwave. It's a slow cooker, right? Mm-hmm. So you you were able to capitalize you on to make a food service reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we you. need to talk about it. Yeah. Cause you know, I like to smoke food. Exactly. So so you've done that. So you can't have it both ways and say, I've, I've already worked through that market. Because if you did a good enough job with that market, then you should have a prime market for people that know you, like you, and trust you that should be nominating you to new people. Or you're out on top of that building new relationships outside of those of those marketing efforts. So I have such a hard time in most industries for anybody saying, got to bang those phones. You got to, because, it's, sorry, I'm getting windy here. Because here's here's where it manifests in a way that doesn't work out well for them. They're doing that on the front end and they're cold calling, cold calling, cold calling, playing that numbers game while never building the proper level of relationship and infrastructure to say, oh my gosh, I'm five years in, like the dog chasing the car. Mm-hmm. What now? I've got 500 clients and I don't even know how to how to serve them and, and have a system to get new introductions. And if you're a bad cold caller, does making more cold calls solve anything? It absolutely doesn't. Right? So you're just scorching more earth. You know, we tell our people, if you're sitting in the parking lot to go into your client and it's the, like I said, you, we call on these people repeatedly and you don't know why you're going in leave. Mm -hmm. You you know, we're not professional visitors. Our customers don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. We need to add values. If you don't have a plan, if you don't know why you're there, if you don't have business to discuss and bring new ideas, just leave. Mm -hmm. You're better off canceling the appointment. Or you could go full Dwight Schrute, uh, crank up anthrax and jam your head. That's it. For like five minutes and then go in all pumped up, right? That would work out really well. <laughs> so, you know, I think... We do uh, not recommend that, do by that. the way. We love Dwight Schrute, but that's not a good practice. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, you know, you talk about um, the whole planning process and you talk about people thinking, you know, I, you have a mature market or a, a fertile market. It's easy for you. And we say it all the time. I just told you we have a great company, great manufacturers, great customers, but it's not easy. And the biggest compliment I think I get from my competitors is they don't think we work hard. That means we make it look easy. 
So in a weird way, what you're describing, I take as a compliment. Uh, because if, if we walk in there and we're doing this stuff and it just looks like, you know, uh, one of the guys that, that helped me, uh, mentor, there's several at our company, uh, Dave Winger, he's, he's passed away, but a legend in our company. And he used to say this all the time. He said, oh, they just think that I walk into this major customer with my order basket and I just skip up and down the aisles and, and people throw orders in my basket. Right. And you know, people think that that's a huge compliment. We're mm-hmm. making it look easy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of hard work that goes in, whether it's your baseball team that you're teaching, your staff here. Personally, uh, it's years and years of hard work and dedication and trying to get better. Here's here's full circle of how this authentic conviction conversation uh, can really frame this conversation in is a lot of the people that have an issue with really putting in that time and saying, I don't have a natural market, I don't have a natural market, let me start by saying my one of my biggest mentors um, was from, I think he was from Iowa or moved to Iowa. It doesn't matter, but he ended up in Iowa, mm-hmm. okay? Said no one ever, all right, <laughs> other than Kevin Costner to That's film right. a movie. Um, and and arrived um, either to there or Chicago, but th- those are the two destinations. He ended up in a place where he had no natural market. And within five years, was one of the top 10 sales representatives for one of the biggest mutual companies in the world. He must have got really lucky. Yeah, he went to the grocery store and was just grabbing clients off the That's shelves, right? right? And, and he will tell you that he actually took time to um, also look inside uh, uh, you know, himself. I mean, I, I would say in any capacity, we're setting out on a big real estate venture right now. We're starting from the inside out, not mm-hmm. from the outside in. And, and I think a lot of the people that don't want to take the time to really dig in and build those relationships and do it in an authentic way, maybe a little bit scared of what they're going to find out from other people mm-hmm. that maybe they are not who they thought they were. And if they're not, maybe they need to work on that. And so I think there's some insecurity that comes along with not feeling good about your conviction and who you are as a person, maybe because of your past, maybe because of your behavior, whatever, but at least be authentic in who you are. And I think that helps build those relationships because it can be done. I don't mind a little hustle. I really sure. don't. But long-term growth in most industries can happen by building relationships the right and, way. And if you treat your customers right, they they want to refer you to other people. They mm-hmm. want to share that positive experience. They're invested in you. They want you to be successful because you've helped them and be successful and take care of their needs. So, you know, that referral business, it's it's really how how we grow. And I'll tell you, it's how my best customers that I sell to, it's how they grow as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, PJ, my gosh, we could do this for probably four hours, man. So uh, we actually are going to keep working off the air here on some items. But I got to just say, uh, it's a it's a privilege to have you in. Um, I know that we've created some great content here. I can't wait to do this again. We'll have you back in. And uh, thank you for being here. This has been amazing. Uh, Zinc Food Services Company. Zinc Food Service Group, ZincFSG.com. Zinc Food Service Group. There you go. Um, with Jim Zink, who, uh, where'd he go to college? Uh, the great Notre Dame. The University of Notre Dame. Um, and my man, PJ Malloy, who has built an absolutely awesome business. And I, I will tell you this in, in ending, um, the one thing that I always admire about you, and we're doing our annual meetings, uh, it, it, you, you, uh, you, you succeed like Tigger, but you plan like Eeyore. 
<laughs> I'm going to use that. And, like and, and uh, you like that? Yeah. I just came up with that, you know, right off the cuff. But um, I always tell my son and, and, and my daughter, you know, because they compete in sports, you know, you practice like you're the worst, but you play like you're the best, mm -hmm. you know, and you've always brought that attitude that, you know, I don't, I don't sit and live and, and, and relish on what I've done in the past. I'm always looking at what is ahead of me. And so I appreciate that. You've been a mentor to me. And, and by the way, with the traction items, I would encourage all of the people that are listening to this to, to look at the EOS system and how it can help them build their practice too. But I appreciate you being here. This has been tremendous, man. I really appreciate you. you. Really appreciate you having me. I'm honored. I, I wasn't on episode one, but you know, gave you a chance to warm up a little bit.